know we've come to the end of Christmas season and we open up and get ready to open up a new year, but even in the song that we sang a little bit earlier, We Three Kings, talks about the fact of one of the gifts that we give, that God cherishes from us more than any other gift that we share and are part of, and even the gifts that we remember most often as we think together about these wise men and what they did and were a part of it. You know, sometimes it seems like Christmas cards dictate our theology better than the Bible does, and some of the things that go on and the things that we look at, we talk about three kings, and we don't know for sure that there were three kings. We just know that there are three gifts mentioned, and so we assume that there were three kings that were a part of it. But what I want to really think about and, and look at today, the first gift that they gave Jesus Christ, according to Scripture, was, his, was their worship. And after they had worshipped him, they presented him with the gifts that we know about and that we read about and uh, talk about so often what's going on. And the most important gift that you and I can ever give to Christ, our Savior, is our, our worship. That's what he longs for more than anything else. When, uh, in the Old Testament, we find the Scripture telling us that uh, the greatest commandment is that we're to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And Jesus, in the New Testament, you'll remember when he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He responded by saying the same thing, that you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's worship. To love God more than we love anything else. To want to be what pleased God more than we want to please anything or anyone else in our lives. We want to honor him and worship him and praise him. And that's what we see in the context of this. I want to just read a couple of verses out of Matthew chapter 2. You're familiar with the story of the wise men as they came and as they uh, worshiped Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, we show them in our manger scenes as being there at the stable and, and being a part of that, but we know that's not what happened. Uh, they didn't get there at the birth of Christ. The Bible says, and what we're going to see in the verse, that they came to the house to where Jesus was and being a part of it. They had already moved from the stable to another place by the time the wise men arrived. And that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is that what, they, what the scripture says is that they worshipped him. And then they presented their gifts. And I think that's what we need to understand. I, we've lost the sense of worship in most of our churches today. We've lost the ability to genuinely have a sense of awe of God and be aware of his majesty and the wonder of who he is and all that's going on. We take him for granted. Uh, most of us have been Christians for a long, long time, and we just kind of go through the motions of all that we do, and we forget that. But here is something that God desires from us, not just at Christmas, not just on Sundays, but all the days of our life, God desires that we would be a people that would worship him, that would honor him, that would show to reverence to him in such a way that we say to a world around us, there is none that can be compared to the God that we serve. There's no one like him. There's nothing that is, can even begin to stand up with him and being a part of it, for he is beyond all that we look at. In chapter 2 of Matthew, in verses 10 and 11 are the verses. I'm just going to pick out a couple of that whole story to share. And I'm going to invite you once again to stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word and allow that word to speak to our hearts and see what it has to say to us today. But in Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 10, the scripture says, I don't know if I'm too close to the mic or if it's too live. I don't know. We'll see what's going on. But uh, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And after coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And they fell down to the ground and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning, as we look at these verses and as we 
remember the account that we've heard so often in our lives, the stories that we've heard, the songs that we sing, all the things that we do and thinking about Christmas and all the things that are around it and now after Christmas, the coming of the wise men as they come to worship the king, this new king, the king that would be king of kings and lord of lords, the king that would be above all and beyond all that we know in order that he might become living on this earth a perfect sacrifice for our sins. Father, I thank you that you loved us enough to present that gift to us. And I pray that you would speak into our hearts this morning and, and just continually, Father, reminding us that the greatest gift that we have to give you is the gift of worship. And it's many aspects, it's many forms, the different ways that we understand it, but what it comes down is to our heart and our attitude, what we do as we present ourselves to you in genuine worship. And I pray that you just help us to take that into thought, into mind, into heart this morning and consider it together as we consider going on and moving beyond this time and even into a new year and that we would want more than anything else, that we would be known and as a people who worship the Lord God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I pray that in Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. You know, the first aspect of worship, I think, that, that comes out of this, and we could spend a long, long time talking about worship and all the things the Scripture teaches us about worship and the things that are there, but one of the things that stands out as we look at this is that, that genuine worship involves personal presence. We, we need to be in the presence of God ourselves as we think about worship and the things that are going on. We can't do it long distance. We can't say, well, you know, the, the wise men didn't say we heard about some new king and we're going to send some gifts to him, but they went into his presence. And, and I realize that we can worship in places besides just in the sanctuary because uh, we can worship God wherever we are, I recognize that, but God has called us to be together in worship and commanded us, in fact, not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together in worship, but being in the presence of God in worship is more than just being there physically. More than just being in a physical sense there. And I, I think some of us allow ourselves to believe that just because I went to church once a week or twice a week or whatever the case may be, because I did a couple of things like that, I've worshipped God. But many of us enter into the sanctuary of God's presence at his invitation and we leave no different than we came in. We leave not thinking any differently. We leave not truly having worshipped at all because of the things that are going on. And lots of things contribute to that. God wants more than anything else our adoration. He wants us to come into this place expecting that we're going to meet with him. Expecting that this day, in this moment, the God of the universe, the creator of all things, has promised to us in an unusual way that he will manifest himself in our lives as a people of God if we genuinely seek him and want to know him. He wants to be a part of that kind of thing. And so, but we come in here with so many different attitudes and so many different things. Some of us come not really expecting anything to happen. It's the same old, same old every week. I mean, we do the same order of service. We sing the same songs over and over. We go through the same processes of everything that we do. We come and we just go through the motions, and then we go home not really having expected to worship, and because we didn't expect to, we didn't. If we don't come with a desire and a belief in our heart that when I come into the presence of God, he's promised to me that he will meet with me there, he will be a part of that time, and God always affects our hearts and our lives if we genuinely meet with him. But we come with those wrong. We come sometimes thinking, you know, our minds are occupied with so many other things and we're not really into worshiping. We're thinking about all the problems maybe that we've dealt with this week or all the things that we're having to deal with in the week that's coming up. 
we get our minds set up on uh, the, the temperature's not right in the church building. It's too hot or it's too cold or we didn't like the songs that were chosen today or the sermon was too long or whatever it is. Those are the things that go through our minds and we're not really there trying to meet with God. We just got our minds everywhere else and trying to be. What's, what are we going to have for lunch? Where are we going to eat? Who's going to eat with us? What are we going to fit? All those things occupy our hearts and our minds and we don't ever even think about worship the God that who gave us life, the whole thing of what we're about as a people of God and the things that are going on as we look and understand that. God wants us to recognize that more than anything else, he needs our presence. And our presence means, like I said, not just physically. He needs the presence of our minds, our hearts. He wants to, us to be genuinely given to him so that we have, in these moments, we've given him everything. What would it be like, I wonder, if, if we came into a church worship service and each of us came Really, with a hunger in our heart, today, more than anything else, I want to meet God. I want God to speak into my heart. I want to hear what God has to say to me. And he's going to say it in different ways. Some of you he may speak to through a song that we sing. Some of you may get spoken to through a, a prayer that's prayed, a scripture that's prayed, maybe through a, the message that's preached, whatever it may be. Or maybe it'll just be the fact that you're suddenly aware of the very holiness of God and he just overwhelms you with who he is. But if we come here ready and wanting and longing to meet him, he promises that he will meet with us. The Bible says in the book of Jeremiah, if we seek him with our whole heart, we will find him. If we come longing to have an encounter with God, that we're going to have that kind of an encounter, that we're going to be able to experience him. And what would it be like if we came and we really wanted to meet God and he met with us and he, he touched our hearts and he made an effect upon our lives and he changed our perspective. He, he took some worry away from us. He gave us a peace that we didn't have when we came in. Whatever it may have been, but we met with him. We also come with so many things in our hearts that keep us from worshiping God that we're not present because we, we've got an unforgiving heart. We've got an ungrateful heart. We've got a bitter heart. We've got a heart that's so full of worry that we can't even begin to trust God. We, we've got all these things going on in our lives, and Satan just loves to point to this thing and to that thing and, and use that. Or maybe there's someone that has offended us or something that's happened in our lives recently, and he points those things out. and He just does everything that he can because the last thing God that Satan wants is for you to worship God. He does not want you to have an experience with God that would change your heart and your life and your attitude, that would allow you to be so full of the Lord God that you would make an impact upon the world in which you live, your family, the people you work with, the people that we're around. It affects who we are. See, when you'll remember when Isaiah went into the temple in Isaiah chapter 6 and he entered into that place. He was there not so much to worship God. He was there simply because he had lost, uh, the king had died and he was a, a friend of the king and probably even a family member of the king. And he was there in that place. But when he came there, he, met the, he encountered the glory, the holiness of God. And he cried out in confession because it touched his life, made a difference in his heart. Woe is me. For I am undone, I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. He recognized that he was a sinner and that the, the community of faith that he lived in, the people that he was around were sinners, and they needed to understand that, and he recognized that. But the Bible says that after he did that, God cleansed him of his sin, and the result of his cleansing, the result of his praise, the result of his worship, when God said, who can we send? Who will represent the glory, the holiness, the wonder of who God is? Isaiah said, here am I. You can send me, you can use me to speak forth, to proclaim the glory of who you are. That's what God wants to do in your life and in my life. He wants us to encounter his holiness. He wants us to understand his righteousness, his majesty. He wants us to be overwhelmed with his awe so that we can recognize what a great honor and privilege it is to even be invited into his house. 
to be asked to come into his presence and to be allowed to meet with him and to know that as we come expecting that he promises that he will meet with us here. We don't have to come here and, and go away not expecting anything. We don't have to come not believing that God will be here. He has promised. When my people gather in my name, when they praise me, I will inhabit that praise. I will be in their presence. I will glorify myself among them. Now, you and I know as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ that the Holy Spirit dwells within us, that he's with us wherever we go. And so we can worship him, obviously, wherever we are and, and whatever we're doing, and we ought to do that. Our lives ought to be a continual sense of worship and praise to the Lord. But especially when we gather, he wants us to come expecting to meet with him because he has something for us. See, he wants to bless us today. He wants to pour out his life, his love, his heart for us and being a part of it. But he needs us to long for him, to seek him, to want him more than we want anything else as we look at it. And so one of the things that the wise men, I think, teach us is, is the reality of presence, not just physically, although that's mighty important, but also that we need to be there mentally. We need to be there in our hearts. We need to be there with the right attitude and the desire in our lives to meet with God and to want to be with God. It's good to come together, especially during these days when we don't get to see each other as much and don't get to kind of have the fellowship that we have and go visit and do the things. It's nice to get together and be able to visit with one another and catch up on things that we haven't talked about through the week and those kind of things. And we, there's greatness. That's a wonderful part of worship is fellowship. But the main reason that you and I need to be here and the main thing that needs to be in our heart is that I, I came today because I really wanted to meet with God. I wanted God to speak into my heart. I wanted God to say something to me and, and to touch my life and my heart, and I wanted to be able to offer to him my love. I just wanted to tell God, I love you, Father. I, I love you. I thank you. I praise you for all that you are and all that you do in my life and are part of that. I thank you for that as we look together and as we stand at that time. But sometimes worship comes about even in unexpected times. We don't really expect it. Maybe some of the motivation or some of the reasons that you and I might come to church are not always Maybe the best reason, maybe I came to church because uh, maybe more so as a young person than it was as some of us now, but there was a girl or a guy there I wanted to see, and I, the only reason I went to church is because that's where they went to church. Really wasn't there to do anything else. I just wanted to be with that person and be a part of it. Or maybe we were at church because we thought we had to uphold our reputation in the town, and everybody knows that we, wanted, that we go to church, and so we just keep going to church so people know, well, that's a good Christian man or a good Christian woman. They go to church every week, and that's the motivation behind what we do. Lots of reasons why we may find ourselves in attendance, but God is such a great and amazing God that even if we come with the wrong motivation, even if we come not really desiring to, to meet with God, so often, he manifests himself so much in our presence, and we find ourselves caught up in what's going on. We didn't expect to meet God, but we met him anyway because God expects to meet us every time we come. God desires to meet with you. Can you imagine that? That God, the God of the universe, the God who is the creator of all that is, the God who gave himself in Jesus Christ, that you and I might have life and have it everlastingly. This God wants to meet with me all the time. He wants to fellowship with me. He wants to encounter my life. He wants to bless me. He wants to teach me. He wants to help me to grow in maturity. He wants me to come to the place where I can have that life that he promised in Jesus Christ. That life was not only eternal life, but abundant life, abundant living, even today in all that he is. He wants to meet with me. And so even when I come not expecting to meet with him, so often I go away having been blessed beyond anything I ever expected because he planned to meet with me 
whether I was ready or not. And I'm so glad for a God that is so loving that even when my mind may not be on Him, even when my heart may not be seeking Him, He's seeking me and wants me to know and experience the fullness of who He is and all that's going on and being a part of those things together as we look. Worship is so many things as we account for those kind of things as we look at it. But also we need to understand that if we really have a heart for worship, if we really long to worship, and we'd seek to begin that aspect, and I'm going to commit myself to asking God to change my heart and my mind so that when I come and worship, whether it's in my private devotions, whether it's in, in a time in church service, wherever it may be, when I'm in worship, I really want to meet with God. I want to just not read the Bible to say I did my daily Bible readings. I don't want to just say I, I said my prayers today. I don't want to just be in church because I ought to be in church. I want to meet with God. And when we get that heart and that attitude, we begin to have opposition. Because Satan doesn't want that to be true in your life and in my life. He does everything that he can to hinder your worship. He does everything that he can to hinder what's going on, to oppose. You see, the Bible tells us that, that we are in the midst of a spiritual conflict. That you and I are in battle every single day of our lives. It never ceases. We're in spiritual warfare all the time. And he's doing everything that he can to tear down our character, to tear down our heart to take away from us the desire to be with God's people, to make us think that worship is irrelevant, that church doesn't matter anymore, that we don't need this and we don't need that. He does everything that he can to try to interfere because he fears genuine worship. Because when God's people genuinely encounter God, when they genuinely worship, they leave changed and they make an impact upon the world around them. Person by person by person by person. It changes things. It changes me. When I really worship God, when I let myself just let go and meet with God in the place that he wants me to meet with him and touch, it changes who I am. It affects who I, what I understand and how I feel and what I see. It makes me look not through the world view that most of us seek to look through, but through God's eyes. To be able to see things the way God sees things. To understand our world and get a grip on what's going on around us. To recognize that God so longs to have a relationship with every single person that you and I know. He wants them to love him. He wants them to be forgiven. He wants them to not ever face condemnation. He wants them to walk in the fullness of his love and his presence. He wants to pour out his heart and his life and his soul to them. But so many miss it. Because their minds are blocked by all kinds of other things. Even as Christians, we so seldom truly worship. We so seldom come with a heart that's hungry for God. Satan has so filled us up with things, with worries and concerns and things that are going on. He reminds us how unworthy we are. And we are. But you see, the Bible tells us in the book of Romans in chapter 8, there's no one who can bring accusation against us because Christ is our Savior. Because Christ is the one who, in, in the sense of a court, is our defense lawyer. But he's also our judge. And he's taken everything upon himself. And we've been declared innocent, justified, righteous. And we don't have to listen to Satan browbeat us. We don't have to listen to him tell us how unworthy we are. We don't have to listen to him tell us that we can't know the fullness and the glory and the wonder and the love of God in our hearts. But we can release ourselves from his presence in our lives and just let it remind him that God's in charge of our life. That if he wants to touch our hearts, he has to go through, through Christ because Christ has redeemed us. Christ has set us free. He has no, Satan has no power in your heart and in my heart except what we give him. 
And when we give it to him, we, we lose the sense of worship. Genuine worship also involves joy, praise, celebration. When you and I really come into a counter with God and we really see him for who he is, there will be joy in our life. Can you imagine? If we just think about it even for a few moments, how, how much God loves you. What, how, how great is his love for you and all that he's done for you and being a part of life through Jesus Christ and how he's filled you with his spirit and how he speaks to your heart over and over again, how he's there in every situation of your life and all the things that are, what a wondrous joy it is to be a child of God, to be the very child of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, to be able to know that we can put our feet at the table of the king that we have and know that he's ours, that we celebrate the wonder of who he is, that we belong to him. What joy, what freedom is in that as we look at it and as we understand that and recognize that as we come and we are able to praise God and thank God for who he is in genuine joy and worship and being a part of it. But there's one last part, well, not last part, but for today, that, that really is an important part of that. They came and they worshiped, and then they gave gifts. Genuine worship will always lead us to the place of wanting to, to give to God the best that we have, whatever that is. For them in that particular moment, it's gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That's, for us, it's giving first and foremost ourselves. We talk about your tithe that you talk about every week and things like that, and that's an important part of worship, although it's been diminished somewhat by just having to stick it in a box in the back as you leave. You don't get to be a part of the genuine worship of giving and the things that are there. But giving, it, it, but what God wants more, you see, if God has you, he has everything else that, uh, that's yours. I don't have to worry about giving God my time, my talents, my finances, whatever it is. Those things that we battle over, those things that we are conflicted over, those things that we don't know whether we want to obey God in or not are all taken care of when I give God me. When I present myself to him and give myself to him in fullness and everything, when I truly am his, then everything that I am and everything that I own, everything that I'm a part of is his, my family. My possessions, my time, my talent, my will, my dreams, all of those things fall into place when I present myself to him and say, Father, I give you my life. I present myself to you. That's the gift that he wants, the very best that we have. It doesn't matter. For all of us, that would be different. All of us have different gifts, different talents, different abilities. All of us are at different levels in our living and the things that are going on and being a part of it. And we can't compare what I give to what somebody else gives and, and try to measure the value of that according to someone else. The value that I have, the best value that I have, the most important value that I have is me. And God wants that more than he wants anything else. We can give him our time, we can give him our talents, we can give him our money, and those are great things, and we ought to do that. We ought to be more gracious in our giving than we ever have thought about being. We ought to be more generous. See, genuine worship brings about a generosity, a heart of gratitude, a heart of just wanting to give as God has given to us in Jesus Christ. But what he wants more than anything, folks, is you. He wants you. He loves you. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what kind of person you are, what kind of attitude you have, whether you think you're worthy or unworthy, whether you think you're too good or not good enough, it doesn't matter. God wants you. 
And that's the most genuine act of worship that we can ever give God is ourselves. Just me. If I can just give me to God, if I can just say, God, I'm yours. I worship you. I give you me. I love you because of all that you've done in my life. He saved me. He's blessed us in so many ways and the things that are there. God, all I want to do is give you the best that I have to give. My best may not be as good as your best, but it's all that I have, and that's all that God wants. And we need to quit worrying about whether I compare to this person or to that person or anything else. It's just God wants me, who I am, just like I am. And when we give him ourselves, we can worship God in ways that are beyond anything we ever imagined. And we can experience the presence of God in a real, such a real way that we just know. Not just because I read it in a book called the Bible that says God indwells me, but I know that I know that I know that he's here. Because he's touched my heart and he keeps touching my life and he keeps speaking into my presence and all that I am because I've offered myself to him in worship. We ought to be more generous. We ought to give more of our time. We ought to give more of our finances. We ought to give more of our talent. We ought to give more of all that we are. But what we ought to give most of all is ourselves. Ourselves. God, whatever you want. Whatever you want. That's what I want to give you. Just myself. However you want to use me, whatever you want to do in my life, whatever you want to accomplish, here I am. Here I am. I give you myself. And I think as we get ready to move into a new year and a new time, that needs to be kind of the prominent thought of our minds. How can we genuinely, individually, and collectively give ourselves to God in such a way that God can accomplish what he wants to accomplish in our lives together, one by one, to bring glory and praise and honor to him and to impact the community that he's planted us in to be his light and his witness and his testimony to the glory of who he is and all that he's a part of. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning as we think together of these thoughts about worship and certainly so minor in their depth and so few in their exclamation of how much worship means and all the aspects of worship and things that are involved in it. But God, I know that we live in a time in which worship has been so thought of in such a little way. It's, it's lost its meaning, its significance, its value in our lives. We go through the motions, but we rarely ever truly allow ourselves to just meet with you. And Father, I know that you know it, all the things affect us in our world that we're around, and, and we, we can be in church and feel like nothing spoke to me, and yet there can be one person that could be here that could say, you know, today... God touched my heart in a way I never would have expected. Everybody else may walk away and say it was humdum, it wasn't anything about it. But I met with God today. God met with me, more importantly. My life's been touched and changed. Father, I pray that be the hunger of my heart, that I'd never come to your house to be with your people without being more than anything else, having a desire, a hunger, God, I want to encounter you today. I want to hear what you have to say to me today. I want to be touched by your heart and guided by your Holy Spirit in my life. I want to worship with you today. I want to love you today. 
And I want to be able to just accept the love that you have for me and rejoice in that love. Father, I don't know, again, where all of us are individually, but you do, each one of us, exactly what's in our heart, what's in our mind. I just pray during these moments that we're about to have of invitation, your invitation, we don't have any, I don't have anything to invite anybody to, the church doesn't have anything to invite anybody to, but you do, you invite us to yourself. To know you, to worship you, to love you, to be redeemed by you if we've never been redeemed, to be given to you in such a way that we have life in ways that we never dreamed possible. And so as we have this invitation, and Father, I just pray that if there's anyone here that needs some kind of public response, that needs to, to just step forward and say, I need to trust Christ as my personal Savior, or I need to be a part of the church member, I, I need to join and, and be an active part of what's going on, I, I need to learn how more to come expecting what God's doing and wanting to be a part of that, I need to be more willing to God, let God shine through my life and be a part of that. I want to worship God and as a result, as a result of worshiping, I want to serve. I want to be all that I can for the kingdom of God. So, Father, whatever our needs are and however they may be manifest, I just pray that you would help us respond to what you say to us in your heart. In Christ's name, amen.